Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's so hot in my room right now. Don't know why. Hmm. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so I got, I, I think I have a short story for you. It's not very fun, but they never are. Alright. <laughs> Just, you know, warning you. It's I don't think this one goes into a ton of detail because I couldn't find that much detail because half of the articles I read were in French. Oh, that's fun. And I was like, my knowledge, my six years worth of knowledge is not <laughs> stacking up. Oh yeah, that's when Google Translate comes in handy. <laughs> oh yes. Yes, we used a lot of Google Translate oh, yeah. this week. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get started. I'm Sonia. I'm Maddie. And welcome to Grimm. Woo! Um, so today we're going to be talking about a man called Yvonne Keller. I really hope I'm saying that right. It doesn't sound right to me, but <laughs> it's what we're going with. We're rolling with it. Yeah, um, he's French, so, you know, correct me on my pronunciation if I'm butchering everything. <laughs> um, and he is better known by the nickname The Pillow Killer. Oh, that does um, not sound good. No, no, it does not. Um, it has really, truly unlocked a new fear within me. And, oh God. um, yeah, you know, I hope it doesn't do the same for you, but we'll see. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm not sure if you know about him at all, but um, he actually could be the most prolific serial killer in France in the 20th century. Hmm, I've not heard of him. Um, yeah, he's not a very good guy, so... I mean, yeah, I could probably tell that from the from the fact that he's being talked about on here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. None of the people on this podcast are good people. No. Okay, so um, Keller was born on December 13th in France, um, and in this region called Orin. Um, I'm definitely butchering that, but it's like O is in like upper, like H A U T. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And um, he had eight siblings in what I would say was a pretty unstable family. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Start. So, his- <laughs> excellent. Good. Good on them. <laughs> Um, his parents were like basket weavers, I guess. Um, and you know, eight siblings, they had a lot of mouths to feed. So Keller was put to work pretty early. Um, it didn't go great for him. Um, in 1981, when he was 17 years old, he ended up stealing a couple of antiques and was arrested and charged with robbery. Um, he was, like, actually sentenced. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison, and that's, you oh, know, wow. exactly what happened. He was thrown in prison for for a good time. Um, he was released in August of 1989, so not exactly the 10 years, but a good a good number of years of his were spent in prison. Um, and after he left prison, he moved to a place called Mulhouse, and there he lived on Verdun Street in, like, I want to I want to call it like a suburban area. Um, it was like away from the city center, very green, like not just the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and he began a career as like, a landscape gardener. Um, oh, okay. I have no idea how he got into that after 
basket weaving and then prison but i mean turning his life around it it seems i know it probably doesn't go that way but he did not turn his life around he got worse oh no um but no he you're right it does it does appear that way he started this company called alsa jardin and you know apparently he was he was really good at what he did his clients were all very satisfied they recommended him to their friends and such you know he just he did a good job at landscape gardening um he also began a relationship with a woman named marina and you know they it didn't work out for them they later separated and he started something else with a woman called severine um so yeah all of this you know if you just look at this part of his life it looks pretty normal um Mm -hmm. To the public eye, everything was going great. His neighbors said that he was really helpful, very friendly, you know, good with animals, etc. And I know that, like, being good with animals is is a trait that people look for because it, it kind of means that you're, like, not a bad person. Yeah. Like, if my dog trusts you, I trust you, that kind of vibe. But mm. I guess not with him. Because, um, you know, that wasn't the whole story. He, he wasn't a good person. Um, Marina Keller's first serious partner said that he constantly needed money. He was very into, you know, things like luxury items, like uh, going to casinos, gambling, um, betting on horses, like horse racing, fancy restaurants, etc., etc. And he ended up forcing her into prostitution for some extra money. Oh my god. So, not... Not great. Not Um, great at all. No. Um... And then with his second partner, Severine, she was actually apparently like already in a relationship before she was serious with Keller. And apparently when he heard about this, you know, he went to go pay this other man a visit and then physically threatened him with a gun to, you know, like leave Severine alone. Um, yeah, not, not great. That kind of, and like, you know, I get wanting to have, you know, if you're with someone, being monogamous and everything but that was just a little bit too far like yeah yeah um no point no um you know so a lot of people describe this as you know having two faces or two sides where he was a really good person a public eye but he struggled a lot with like anger issues gambling addictions when he was alone with his or with his family um and this all leads to him doing some really bad things oh boy Um, yeah. <laughs> um, in January of 1994, at I'm I'm going to butcher this name, Bruno Lao Bas Street, um, a woman called Marie Winterholler was found dead in her bed, lying on her back. Um, the doctor was called in. They did an autopsy, and they concluded that it was a natural death, and issued a license to bury. Um, she was an elderly woman, so, you know, this seemed pretty normal. And since it was concluded to be a natural death, there was no, like, investigation. No one was considered a suspect. Nothing seemed wrong. Mm-hmm. On March 12th, 1994, on the same street, a man called Germain ended up visiting his mother, 86-year-old Ernestine Mang. And when he opened the door to her house, he was immediately surprised because he found an old butter churn behind the door. And this was odd because he said it was meant to be in storage in the house's cellar and it had just been there for years. So he was like, why would my mother bring this upstairs? 
This was also increasingly odd because his mother apparently had hip problems and mobility issues, so how would she be able to bring the butter churn upstairs? Mm-hmm. Because of this, he was pretty convinced that it wasn't her who moved the butter churn, but he couldn't figure out who it would be. He went to investigate the house a little bit more because his mother wasn't downstairs, and he went into her room and found her dead in her bed lying on her back the yeah the but he did notice some pretty strange things about that as well um first of all the bed was made like she wasn't asleep (laughs) yeah strange just on top of her bed you know she wasn't like it wasn't even like she was under the covers or anything or she like died in her sleep she was just on top of a made bed that does not seem Um, natural mm -mm. and you know, obviously this was a, a bit of a shock for him. I, I could not imagine what yeah. he was going through at that point. Um, but what was he thought was even weirder was that the 6,000 currency is hard for me, I want to say euros, um, that he withdrew from the bank for her was missing. Um she had apparently hidden part of it in the dresser and part of it in this like satchel in the cupboard and both of those like pieces were gone Mm. um when he investigated the house a little bit more he noticed that there was a cellar window um that was unsealed and again very odd because his mother wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. like she had mobility issues and had hard and hard enough time like moving places on her own why would she unseal a cellar window mm-hmm. um, again when the doctor was called and everything they, they concluded that it was natural causes that killed her so they didn't investigate her death or anything but even when he called to complain about you know theft um, the police just didn't do anything because they said that you know it didn't seem like anything was, was wrong um but he, he said that it was it was really weird that his mother's death by quote-unquote natural causes coincided with money being stolen and the window being unsealed and that, you know, the police just didn't care about it. Yeah, that is very coincidental. Mm-hmm. Um, what year is this again? Um, this was in uh, 1994, the same year as the oh, first okay. death. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this was also kind of the start of like suspicions because it was so similar to the other case. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, that seems a little bit weird. The same street, same like position found and everything. I'm um, guessing he's like from his nickname that he's like smothering them with pillows. Yeah, like, pretty self-explanatory with the name. <laughs> yeah, but um, I would think by 1994 there'd be like a way to tell that in an autopsy, right? Is that just so hard to tell? That's what I would think too, especially like with a pillow, like fibers in the mouth or something. Oh yeah. You know, like I mean, I don't know because they're they're elderly women, like would they have enough strength to fight back? But Mm. still, I feel like there would be some evidence of something. Yeah. Like how is that natural causes? Yeah, I don't get how that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
On April 27th, the same year, 1994, at another house, 22 Bus Street, 77-year-old Augusta Wassenaar was also found dead in her bed, lying on her back in the same way that the other two women were found. No one saw a break-in, no one saw anything happen, but her daughter, Marie-Francois Rocklin, found that the bed was just too well done for it to have been coincidental that she just died on top of her bed yeah Um, yeah they again did an autopsy and concluded that it was a death by cardiac arrest probably quote-unquote due to great fear but again like natural causes there wasn't something that they were like oh this is foul play um but this was just very suspicious because later she noticed that Um, her mother's bank card and a key to the house had just disappeared Mm. and that the bank card was used in Mull House to make three withdrawals of 150 each. Um, Yeah, that's suspicious. Yeah, so she took this to the police and, you know, said that, like, money was stolen, but Mm -hmm. since the cause of death was ruled to be natural causes and there was no evidence of a break-in, they didn't investigate it any further. I feel like that's enough evidence though you would think you would think yeah but they didn't do anything like there was an investigation but it was only later that's annoying very frustrating um she made a statement to the media in french it roughly translates to the following I have always had a doubt, but no real certainty about the curious death of my mother. We were cheated by the police. They didn't take us seriously when we were surprised by some details. Today, I want an explanation. That day, I couldn't reach my mother, Augusta. I thought she had gone to buy some geraniums for the spring. I wasn't overly surprised because she was very independent. A friend warned me because she was surprised not to see her. They both planned to go shopping. She then went on to say, The position of the body in the bed was strange. The sheets were pulled too tight. It was all too neat. There is a key to the house that has never been found, but no break-in was noted. End quote. So this was all very weird to her that, you know, like, especially the part about her laying on the bed and the bed being too well done. And then Mm -hmm. if a key to the house is missing and if there are withdrawals on the card. Yeah, that's like... Yeah, suspicious. Mm-hmm. And so she was she was pretty upset about this naturally and was like, yeah. the investigation was done very sloppily. It was just not well done. Um, and, you know, it, it is true. It, it's not well done. Mm-hmm. This was done very badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like you said, with every woman he killed, his MO was pretty much the same. Um, he would find out their home address and entry points to the house because he was a landscape gardener and it's not suspicious for your gardener to be walking around your house. Yeah, that's... I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. He would then break into these women's homes and smother them in their beds with a pillow before stealing their money, jewelry, and even like other trinkets like paintings if they were valuable enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would sell these items later to like junk dealers and like pawn, pawn shops, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, before he left, he would rearrange the body and the sheets and close the windows behind him so it looks like there was no sign of forced entry. 
And when the police end up looking at the scene, it looks like these women were just elderly and had died in their sleep and it left no room for a murder investigation. Because why would you investigate the cause of death for someone who looks like they died naturally and they were old? Yeah, it's sad to say that was smart of him. Yeah, gotta give this man credit for thinking outside the box. Yeah. But, it, disgusting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, I feel like it's especially terrible because, like, with the three cases that they, like, found, their children were like, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look right. And just because, like, on the surface it seemed, like, fine, they didn't do anything about it. Kudos to the children for, like, trying, though, like, speaking yeah. up and being like, oh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all these women were killed within 40 miles of Mohaus in this border region between France, Switzerland, and Germany. Um, and later on, they did, you know, figure out that these murders started in 1989, which was the year he was released from prison. Mm. Um, but I think that it was because it, they weren't all in, like, the same area. Like, some of them were. Like, the three that I just talked about, they were on the same street, which is kind mm. of how they were like, this is weird. Um, but, you know, it, it was a border region between three different places, and that mm. it seems like probably a little bit hard to, like, yeah, connect the dots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But between 1993 and 2003, Kyler was the subject of investigation. Um, he was denounced three times, but nothing really happened with the first two. They just, they like said that he was suspicious and then like didn't do anything, I guess. This is suspicious. <laughs> That's enough for today. <laughs> Basically. Um, and then after three years of investigation since these announcements, he was finally arrested. Um, and it was upon this arrest that he confessed. Um, according to a local prosecutor, uh, Regis DeLorme, Keller admitted to killing dozens of elderly women who lived alone. Oh my god. Um, and by dozens, I mean that he said he killed 150 women in France, Switzerland, and Germany. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but like, given that is just like what he said... So the prosecutor did end up saying, quote, it would be premature to qualify these statements as coming from a mythomaniac, um, end quote, because 150 is a lot of murders. Like, yeah, it sounds like an exaggeration. That's true. I hope and I, is. I do too, because that that's a lot of people. Like, I just, I can't imagine. Um, no. Yeah. They did say... You know, it's possible that his brother could have been an accomplice, but he hasn't been caught and is possibly still on the run. Oh, um, good. Yeah. That's not terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, he confessed to 150 murders. But um, of these murders that he confessed to, only five matched the known deaths of elderly women in the area. Three of them were in 1994 on that street, and then two were in a nearby region called Bas Rion. Is that low? Lower? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, and those were in 2000 and 2001, as the prosecutor said. So he was only indicted for these five deaths the three in Orion and the two in Bas Rion. Mm. Um, which is. I I just can't, you know, like, 
could you imagine being one of those women that he killed and then he just like wasn't prosecuted for it no and like can you imagine like having a loved one like die in that time range and it be mm-hmm. natural causes and you'd be like well was it actually exactly you know? like, yeah like that's so that's scary. fully like oh my like I couldn't even imagine what their families are going through you know yeah. like because if it's natural causes that's like an acceptance thing you'd be like yeah. okay they were just old and they died but then if you learn that someone is out there killing people yeah I, I just I can't even imagine no um so yeah, he, he ended up being um, indicted for those five deaths. And then um, on September 22nd, 2006, he committed suicide at the Mulhouse High Court. He was 46 years old and he killed himself using his shoelaces. He made them into a rope and then in the jail, he ended up hanging himself. Um, his last words were, quote, I just wanted to be loved, end quote. Mm, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, according to his lawyer, Pierre Peter, um, for, I think I got this from the one of the newspapers, um, he claimed to have struck a deal with the investigators for, like, a new house and a job for his partner in exchange for a full confession. And then that didn't end up happening, so he reportedly felt betrayed after realizing that this, like, agreement wouldn't be honored or whatever, and then refused to sign his confession statement. Um, so then he killed himself. Mm -hmm. I don't... Yeah. Okay. Um, the prosecutor said that his suicide was a surveillance failure in that he had shown no signs of suicidal tendencies during questioning, so they just like kind of left him and then he did it yikes yeah um i wish there was a better ending i wish that these women got the justice they deserved Mm -hmm. um but at least you know we know what happened at least we know that that at least for these five people it's confirmed that he killed them and i just really hope that their families can get some sort of peace from that Mm-hmm. Um, and to any other woman out there or families of these women during that time period I hope that they're okay yeah um, yeah that that's my story for you you're welcome oh, um, thank you <laughs> if I ever die from natural causes you better be hounding those police officers to conduct a full investigation oh I will Don't thank worry. you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and as always, I'm leaving it to you to change the tone very dramatically. Oh, great. I don't have anything. I don't know. Life hasn't been update-worthy lately. <laughs> you need to start living a more exciting life, my dude. I know, I really do. Um, <laughs> I really can't think of much. I mean, we had uh, me and Sonia and one of our other friends had dinner the other night and we played some monopoly and that was very fun that we did both of us lost horrifically oh yeah we lost very badly Um, it was almost shameful (laughs) (laughs) literally (laughs) um and it was like quite quick too for a game of monopoly so that was a little embarrassing but (laughs) we're just not gonna talk about it it's okay yeah we're gonna forget that happened (laughs) 
but yeah, other than that, I don't really have much going on. Fair enough. Do you have any life updates? Um, I just got the book, The Prior of the Orange Tree. Oh. And um, it's staring at me at my on my <laughs> shelf right now. It's it's thick. Oh it yeah. is it is I didn't think it would be that thick. It's didn't we, thick. Didn't we see it in a bookstore and we saw how thick it was? We did, but it for some reason in the bookstore it looked thinner than it does on my shelf. Interesting. I don't know why. <laughs> but I'm so excited to read it. It's just so daunting. Like yeah, just looking at it. Yeah. That is that is fair. But let me know. And, I will, 100%. I'll give you a little review. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I've seen a bunch of, like, reviews about it as well, and they say that it's, like, eight or 900 pages or something in wow. there. Everyone is, like, the first 200 pages is just, like, the world building, and it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you get past that, it gets so much better, because it's high fantasy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm scared that I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it through, but I really want to. <laughs> With my current reading slump that I'm in I don't think I'd make it through <laughs> but once I'm out of it maybe I will give it a try excellent well I have it if you want to borrow it so oh perfect <laughs> well, alrighty that's all for me do you have anything else or do you want to spiel us out I do not I can spiel us out excellent so you can find us on Instagram at Grim Podcast. You can like our photos, DM us, um, follow us, and from our profile, there's a button to email us. You can email us at bgrimpodcast at gmail.com, and you can send us thoughts on stories we have covered or stories you want us to cover or just little life updates of your own. We also have a Twitter and a Facebook. Our Twitter is Podcast Grim, and our Facebook is Grim Podcast. And other than that, just leave us a good review and tell your friends and family about us. Yeah, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye. Bye.